means we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the September 14th edition of the sunny side of sports. The 2022 Davis Cup tennis finals are underway with a new format and matches being played in four European countries. Craig Gabriel reports from Hamburg, Germany. The Davis Cup steeped in over a century of history. In recent times, it's been through changes to bring it into the present to allow a better schedule for players and added global attention. When it comes to Davis Cup, rankings and reputations go right out the window. And when it comes to Davis Cup, the competition has seen players find something extra when it might have been too tough at other times. This is about playing for your country and your team. It's been said, Davis Cup makes men out of boys. Under the new format, four cities are hosting 16 nations in four groups. In Glasgow, Scotland, there's Great Britain, the USA, Netherlands and Kazakhstan. In Bologna, Italy, there's Italy, Croatia, Sweden and Argentina. Valencia, Spain, they have Spain with the new US Open champion and youngest ever world number one, Carlos Alcaraz, Canada, Serbia and Korea. And in Hamburg, Germany, there's Australia, France, Germany and Belgium. This finals group stage is billed as the road to Malaga because in November the Spanish city will host the finals of the Davis Cup by Rakuten as the top two nations from each group advance. Following the first day of play, Sweden defeated Argentina 2-1 with the Ima brothers, Michael and Elias, scoring singles wins, including one over Diego Schwartzman. Canada defeated Korea after the singles were split. Australia swamped Belgium 3-0 with captain Leighton Hewitt using a couple of debutants. Yeah, Koob's first match kicking it off today and, and got, got us off to a, the right start. He had challenges um, you know, in the second and third sets there, but he was able to respond and, and played really well towards the end, which was really pleasing. And, um, you know, he's had a... a up and down career with injuries as well so for him to get this opportunity it uh, really means a lot to him. And the Netherlands defeated Kazakhstan 2-1. Coming up Croatia will play Italy in Bologna, Spain takes on Serbia and Valencia, the USA faces Great Britain in Glasgow and in Hamburg France will play Germany. Craig Gabriel VOA Sports at Davis Cup Hamburg. Thanks, Craig. Craig mentioned Spanish tennis sensation Carlos Alcaraz in his report. Alcaraz and Iga Swiatek of Poland won the men's and women's singles titles last weekend at the U.S. Open in New York. The 19-year-old Alcaraz became the youngest player in history to reach number one in the ATP World Rankings after his four-set victory over Norway's Kasper Rudd in the men's final. And the 21-year-old Sviantek was already ranked number one when she beat Tunisia's Anz Jabur in straight sets in the women's final. Before lifting the trophy in New York, Sviantek also commented on the legacy of American star Serena Williams, who was planning to retire. Um, she has done so much, and honestly, like... For me, it's still pretty surreal when I see her, and I f- still feel like, you know, um, I'm just a kid who's who's watching, you know, and 
Um, I watched her my my whole life. Basically, she, she was everywhere because she always <laughs> always won uh, and was somewhere in the same finals or, or the finals. So I didn't always feel like um, I'm this kind of player who can like play similar tennis because she always seemed so strong and really stronger than any of her opponents physically. Uh, but mentally, for sure. Um, She's the one who's going to show you how to use your position and how to kind of intimidate with being number one. Um, and I'm not, I'm trying to do that, you know. I don't know if it's going well or not. We're going to see probably in a couple of months or maybe next season. Uh, but for sure, she's she's a great example. And especially um, also with how she copes with having business and playing at the same time or being a mother and playing at the same time. It's just amazing. It's not like... Uh, many athletes have athletes have done that, so um, I, I I think it, it's great that we have somebody like that in our sport to who cleared the path and kind of show us that you can do anything against Sky's limit. That's the 2022 U.S. Open champion Iga Swiatek of Poland. Iga also counts two French Open titles. Among her three major championships, Naomi Osaka of Japan has won four Grand Slam titles, two Australian Opens, and two U.S. Opens. And Naomi says Serena Williams has a lasting legacy. I think that her legacy is really wide to the point where you can't even describe it in words. Like, she changed the sport so much. She's introduced people that have never heard of tennis um, into the sport, and I think I'm a product of what she's done. I wouldn't be here without um, Serena Venus, you know, her whole family, and I'm, like, very thankful to her. And what was really weird is I watched her first match in Toronto before she announced it, and for some reason I just started crying because I felt it. Like, I felt like... um, when I played her in Australia, people were like, that's the last time she's going to be in Australia. I was like, dang, I, I really don't want this to be true. And then um, I kind of felt like she was gearing up for her last U.S. swing. And I just started crying. And then she announced it the day later. And I was like, oh, my God, like this is this is what devastation must feel like. But, yeah. I mean, it's just really, it really is an honor just to keep watching her play. Meanwhile, 18-year-old American Coco Goff says Venus Williams and Serena Williams are her tennis idols. She says Serena and Venus are the reason she wanted to pick up a tennis racket. And Coco talks about when she first met Serena. Um, So I first met Serena. She doesn't, probably definitely doesn't know this. I don't, I think I was nine or ten years old and um they needed a stunt double to play a young version of her just to face down uh, i think it was for a delta commercial i don't even think they ever used it i don't think they ever used it but that was like my first check i ever got as a kid um so so she doesn't know this but the first money i ever made for myself was because of her doing a commercial so i met her and i stopped by her trailer took a picture and she did yeah i don't she probably doesn't even know but yeah my mom actually sent me a picture like a couple weeks ago of me like waiting um getting my hair done by the people and then i think really just her the way she was able to transcribe in the sport that's predominantly white i feel like that's something as a little girl and even now um just meant a lot to me um especially like growing up there wasn't you know 
I would say before I was born, there wasn't many. And before Serena came along, there wasn't, you know, not really an icon of the sport that looked like me. And so growing up, I never thought that I was different because, you know, the number one player in the world was somebody who looked like me. So I think that's the biggest thing that I can take from what I've learned from Serena. Then also on a more personal personal level, I got to, you know, have a couple conversations with, with her um, later on in life. And um, I think it's just the way that she handles her, herself and she never puts herself down. And I love that she always elevates herself. And a lot of times being a woman and in the world, a black woman in the world, you kind of settle for less. And I feel like Serena um, just taught me that from watching her. She never settled for less. I don't. I can't think of a moment in her, in her career, in her life that she settled for less. And I think that's something that I took from and I never me as a person as I'm growing into being an adult and learning um, how to handle things now um, with media and tennis and everything. I'm trying to learn to not settle for less. Coco Goff says Serena's long professional tennis career spanning almost a quarter century of success is truly amazing. Really impressive. I mean, she won her first U.S. Open years before I was born. So um, I guess part of, you know, I've seen her career my whole life, but, you know, part of it I didn't see. Um, So, and, and, you know, I've missed a lot of it. And even at that point, it seems super long. So um, I think it's just, you know, it's, you know, it's hard to dominate for generations. (laughs) I mean, she showed that, but that's why for me, like, she's always going to be considered the GOAT because she didn't dominate one generation. She didn't dominate two generations. She dominated for three plus generations. And I don't think anybody else did that. So um, that's why um, it's sad to see her leave. But also at the same time, um, you know, she's doing she's going to do completely a bunch of amazing things um off the court i mean she's in the fashion world um she i saw her model walk the runway of a show like we're going to see a lot of serena later on and i think we're going to see a lot of coco goff later on especially on the tennis courts coco reached the quarterfinals at the recent u.s open in new york She's currently ranked eighth among women in the world. Now we'll hear from the female tennis player ranked 40th in the world. Canada's Layla Fernandez comments on Serena Williams's legacy. Like for me, Serena's achieved so much in the game. And, you know, to be playing for this long, I think it's really inspiring and um, just just shows her drive. And, and it's just quite incredible how how dominating she has been for, for the majority of her career. And, um, yeah, I think that she... I love watching her play. And for me, facing her the other week, I was... You know, I couldn't think about who was on the other side of the court because I knew as soon as I did, like, my mind would probably start going. Um, so I, I just had to take it and look at the ball and not think about anything else. And, and it's really, really challenging. So That's Canadian tennis player Layla Fernandez commenting on the legacy of American star Serena Williams. I'm VOA Sonny Young in Washington. And you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Hi, I'm Kim Lewis. Join me and colleague Carol Van Dam as we discuss the challenges and progress being made by organizations and governments combating human trafficking and forced labor with guest Terry Fitzpatrick, director of the Alliance to End Slavery and Trafficking. 
Join us for PC USA this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. Thanks, Kim. I'm VOA Sunny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. The Copper Queens of Zambia are celebrating their first Council of Southern Africa Football Association's Women's Championship. The Copper Queens defeated the host team, Banyana Banyana of South Africa, 1-0 on Sunday in Port Elizabeth to lift the Kasafa Trophy. And let's give a sunny side of sports salute to Zambia's team captain, Barbara Banda, who scored the game-winning goal and finished with a tournament-leading 10 goals. 10, count them, 10 goals. Banda was named player of the tournament. Barbara is a very happy Copper Queen, and so is head coach Bruce Mwape. Iron Mike Mbonye asked Coach Mwape about his tenure with the team. Yeah, I've, I've been coaching the, the team for the past four years, and this is my fifth year now. I've seen how they've... Uh, the, 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 the team has uh, improved from where I found it. And uh, coming to to the Kosafa tournament, I think it's uh, it's a credit uh, on our side because we, it has been a long time since we... Uh, it hasn't... We haven't... Had, um, it has been long since we started attempting to win the, 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 the trophy. I can say maybe for the past four years. So... Uh, winning it now, I think uh, it simply means that uh, we have uh, now matured, the team has now matured uh, enough to win uh, uh, even major trophies. Australia and New Zealand will host the FIFA Women's World Cup next year. Do you plan to effect some changes in the present team you have now, or you want to retain the team for the World Cup? We still want to, anyway, it's uh, still it's still open. We can uh, we can also add or subtract those those who are not uh, playing well. I think will be dropped. Those who are doing fine, they will be considered because uh, we we uh, there is uh, a league will soon start and uh, we'll be monitoring all the all the the league games to make sure that uh, maybe we pick one or two players from 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 uh, from, from the uh, various uh, teams but we uh, want to retain the same the same uh, the same team but uh, those who show that uh, they are better than the, the current uh, players uh, we'll consider them it's still, it's still open do you have some friendly matches lined up for the Copa Queens before the World Cup? Yeah, friendly matches are already lined up. So, just waiting for for the draws. After the draws, then we will confirm the dates uh, uh, that will uh, that will be uh, uh, on our FIFA calendars because we don't want to play any friendlies outside FIFA calendar. Your team won the third place in the last. Women Africa Cup of Nations uh, competition in Morocco. From what you saw at the tournament, what is your assessment of women football in Africa today? Is it growing or is it still the same uh, static position where it was in the past? I think there is a lot of improvement. Uh, most of the teams have, uh, have actually improved a lot. 
Uh, and um, when you look at uh, the Nigerians and the Cameroonians, I think they have reached um, their level. I was happy with, um, with their, their performance, especially, especially Nigeria. They showed a lot of maturity. And if all the, if all the teams can reach that level, I think uh, Africa will be a continent to reckon with. That's Bruce Mwape, the head coach of Zambia's national women's football team, the Copper Queens. And he spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Chingola, Zambia. Sporty greetings. This is Memory Malisawa, Major Officer of Copper Queens of Zambia. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel. Time for the U.S. Politics Edition of the program. Can the Democrats who hold the White House, Senate, and House of Representatives defy the odds of losing seats in the upcoming congressional midterm elections? Polls indicate that while the Republicans are favored to win enough seats to control the lower chamber, Democrats have a strong shot at retaining control of the upper chamber or Senate. Prospects for the midterms on Encounter this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. sunny side of sports on facebook and twitter my facebook address is facebook.com forward slash voa sunny and my twitter handle is at voa sunny sports let's give a sunny side of sports salute to one of my facebook friends aloche okori and aloche writes from the rock city of Jos, Nigeria. And he says, sporty greetings, Sonny. And as I mentioned to Aloche, Jos is also the birthplace of our reigning prince of pugilistics, Namdi Hollywood Moeta, who has been firing verbal jabs and delivering hard-hitting boxing analysis on our Voice of America airwaves. For 40 years, count them, 40 years. Let's put that in perspective. That is half the broadcasting life of the Voice of America, which is celebrating its 80th year of broadcasting. You can also follow the sunny side of sports and other popular VOA programs at voaafrica.com. And check out World News at voanews.com. Just ahead, the AP's Josh Roundtree with some professional basketball news. 
In the WNBA, Asia Wilson with 26 points, 10 rebounds to lead the Las Vegas Aces to an 85-71 victory over the Connecticut Sun in Game 2 of the Finals. The Aces are a victory away from the franchise's first championship. In the NBA, suspended Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Mercury owner Robert Sarver for a year and fined him $10 million after an investigation found he engaged in what the league called workplace misconduct and organizational deficiencies. The findings come nearly a year after the NBA asked a law firm to investigate allegations that Sarver had a history of racist, misogynistic, and hostile incidents over his nearly two-decade tenure overseeing the franchise. Under his one-year suspension, Sarver is barred from attending all NBA and WNBA games. He's also barred from team facilities, and he cannot appear at public events on behalf of the NBA's Phoenix Suns team or the WNBA's Phoenix Mercury team. Sarver is a 60-year-old real estate developer. He also cannot be involved in his organization's business operations or league meetings. The $10 million fine is the maximum allowed under the NBA's rules. And some NBA followers felt that Sarver should have received a lifetime ban from the NBA. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver has done that in the past. If we go back to 2014, he doled out the lifetime ban to Los Angeles Clippers' then-owner Donald Sterling, who was caught on tape making racist remarks. Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Thanks, Heather. In UEFA Champions League football results Tuesday, Liverpool defeated visiting Ajax 2-1. Club Bruges scored a 4-0 road victory over Porto. Bayer Leverkusen defeated visiting Atletico Madrid 2-0. Inter Milan won on the road, beating Victoria Pizan 2-0. German powerhouse Bayern Munich was a 2-0 winner over visiting Barcelona. Portugal's Sporting CP defeated Tottenham Hotspur 2-0 and Eintracht Frankfurt beat host Marseille 1-0. The German Joel Matip had the game-winning goal in the 89th minute for Liverpool. Egyptian star Mohamed Salah also got on the score sheet for the Reds of Liverpool. And the Ghanaian Mohamed Kudus had the goal for Ajax. Chelsea will host Salzburg Wednesday evening in another UEFA Champions League match. VOA's Gwen Uten joins us now with pre-match comments from Chelsea's new manager, Graham Potter. 
Sporty greetings, Gwen. Sporty greetings, Sonny. Last week, former Brighton and Hove Albion manager Graham Potter was officially named the new head coach of Chelsea. Prior to joining the club, Potter enjoyed a highly impressive three-year stint with Brighton and spent most of his coaching career largely out of the spotlight. Now all eyes will be on the 47-year-old Englishman as he makes his debut with the biggest club of his career. And on the eve of Chelsea's Champions League match against RB Salzburg, Potter says he's taken on his new role with a time-tested approach. Well, it sounds strange, but I approach it as I've approached every job and every football club and with the greatest respect to every environment and every context. I, 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 I know that this is a different environment, this is a different context, but we're still working with people. As, I, as, as far as I know, uh, and then it's about understanding them, treating them with respect, getting to know them, um, trying to communicate as clearly as possible, and uh, build relationships. You know that's how it is. Um, there's all sorts of narratives out there that top players are this, top players are that. Uh, believe you me, as my, in my experience, people are quite complicated. People have egos. People have different things that that challenge. Um, and that's the fascinating thing about this job, I think. It's something I really, really enjoy. Just over a week ago, Chelsea suffered a 1-0 defeat to Dinamo Zagreb in their group stage opener in the Champions League. That result, along with a poor start to the season, led to the surprise firing of then-Chelsea manager Thomas Tuchel. The club acted swiftly to find a replacement, and within a day, Chelsea confirmed Graham Potter had agreed to a five-year deal at Stamford Bridge. On Tuesday, Potter reflected on the whirlwind series of events over the past several days. Yeah, the fact you said nine days, it feels like nine weeks or nine months, but uh, it's been brilliant. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, the beauty of football, the beauty of life. You never know what's around the corner. Things happened incredibly quickly um, and some really intense conversations uh, with, uh, with the owners. And, and quickly I realised that firstly they were good people intelligent people that have made a huge success of their life outside of uh, football and wanting to achieve something here. Really exciting projects, really exciting um, ideas about how to take the club forward. And it felt, uh, it felt really, really positive. Uh, I'm not going to lie, it's been a whirlwind in terms of getting to know people, uh, leaving Brighton, learning about the players, um, getting to know them. But so far, it's been really, really positive. You know, I, my first impressions have been really, really good. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to starting, as you can imagine. Really looking forward to starting. Potter was appointed head coach of Chelsea on the same day news of the death of Queen Elizabeth II dominated headlines around the world. In honor of the Queen, last weekend's Premier League matches were postponed, giving Potter extra time with his new squad on the training ground. Now he's eager to make his debut with Chelsea and in the Champions League, where he revealed he's never attended a game. Off the top of my head, I don't think I have, no. So uh, I think it's a good time to, to go in the, in the dugout, you know, why, why not? Wherever we start, it's a, it's a heck of an introduction, you know. It's, uh, w w with, with respect to everything that's happened at this football club, 
with the demands of this football club, with, with where we are in terms of how we're competing and what we want to achieve. Uh, wherever we start is going to be brilliant and uh, why not start here? Uh, this is a, an amazing uh, evening for us, uh, for, for, for all of us. I think it's really, really exciting. We're super excited for it. At the same time, you can imagine we've been trying to prepare a team, we've been trying to focus on the game, uh, getting to know all the players, getting to know everyone at the, the training ground. But there's no denying it's, uh, we're, we're really looking forward to it. It's, uh, it's, it's a fantastic opportunity. And taking charge of the Chelsea team is a fantastic opportunity for Graham Potter, who says he's ready to take on the challenge of continuing the club's legacy. Well, you have to look at the, the football club here, <clears throat> the tradition, um, the quality, the size of the club, the ambition of the club <clears throat> um, to compete in the Champions League, to compete at the top of the Premier League. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a completely different challenge to the one I've, I've had. Uh, I had three fantastic years at Brighton, amazing football club, but I'm very, very thankful for the, for the ownership here of uh, putting their trust in me and belief in me to work with an exciting group of players, <clears throat> to be competitive and to put a team on the pitch that our supporters are really, really proud of. So I'm very, very excited, as you can imagine, and um, really looking forward to getting going. Chelsea are currently at the bottom of Group E in the Champions League and are hoping to bounce back under new leadership when they host Salzburg on Wednesday. And that is all from me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uden. And that wraps up the September 14th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I get it. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports.